welcome to our podcast or our politics prosecution class. We're group three. My name is Tommy Cahill. I'm Jason Webster. This is Chad DeRoy. And I am Evan White. Today, we're going to be discussing the prosecution of mask wearing and how politics comes into play with prosecutorial decisions. We're going to start by discussing COVID-19 this year and its effects and implications. Then the laws and orders that were placed in order to reduce COVID spread. Then we'll discuss if the government should be allowed to make people wear masks or not. Uh, the differences in state laws for COVID, how politics comes into play with these decisions, and if there are any correlations between political perspectives and COVID spread. For us to discuss the politics of wearing a mask and how it's pr prosecuting, it's important to understand the background of COVID-19. COVID is spread mainly from person to person through droplets, which are produced when the infected individual coughs and sneezes. And these coughs and sneezes have to come within close contact of another individual. And close contact is defined by the CDC as when you spend 15 minutes or more within six feet of someone with the virus. So symptoms of COVID are fever and chills, cough, shortness of breath or difficulty breathing, fatigue, muscle or body aches, headaches, loss of taste or smell, sore throat, nausea or vomiting, or congestion of a runny nose. COVID-19 affects um, elderly people above the age of 65 more severely than the younger generation, but COVID can still be spread through kids as well as young adults, just the same as any other person. This is why wearing a mask is so important and because you don't know whether or not you have the virus because it can be asymptomatic and over half the number of people with COVID are asymptomatic. So now that we have a brief introduction of uh, COVID-19 and its high transmission rates, it, we realize that it is important to have these measures and go into more protective things for the population. So because of that, President Trump declared a state of emergency on March 13th, 2020 for the coronavirus after the World Health Organization identified the virus as a pandemic on March 11th, 2020. So after this happened, a few, uh, few days passed and the first stay at home order was established in California on March 19th, 2020. It was from the executive order N-33-20 by Gavin Newsom, the governor of California. In the stay at home order, it says, to protect public health, I, as state public health officer and director of the California Department of Public Health, order all individuals living in the state of California to stay at home or at their place of residence, except as needed to maintain continuity of operations of the federal critical infrastructure sectors as outlined at their website. It's mainly to keep those individuals who aren't needed in the public health sector to stay at home and also just limit the number of people out in the public and to prevent the spread. So that was the first stay at home order that was issued. And then the next two were Illinois, New Jersey, which began two days after on March 21st, 2020. And then uh, they were all very similar to that one. And the last day at home order taking effect on April 7th, 2020 by South Carolina. And then a few states never even had the orders in effect. Something else that was recommended by the CDC was the wearing of non-medical face masks in public. Uh, this was first recommended on April 3rd, 2020, along with additional hand hygiene and social distancing orders. So as you can see, a lot of the stuff started happening maybe early March, but then a lot of the orders and things didn't get put into place until beginning of April and end of March. So now that we've seen all these different dates, we've kind of laid out a timeline for COVID and the United States response to it. 
we're going to look uh, we're going to look at if the government can actually force Americans to wear masks. So from an article at law.com, Stephen M. Duvernay and Brandon V. Straysner of the California Constitution Center at Berkeley Law wrote an article um, based on this topic. And in a direct quote from it, they say, ordinarily, we would defend a citizen's right to engage in self-destructive behavior. But this is about more than any one person. Defying the mask order is bad for everyone. In this article, they make a comparison about the slogan, give me liberty or give me death. They say that while this slogan was inspiring in 1776, when the states were at war with the British for their freedom, this slogan actually in 2020 is a terrible public health philosophy. When dealing with a global pandemic in 2020, they see this as a terrible public health philosophy. This year, state governors are encouraging and ordering you to wear masks and in no way are they stealing your liberty away from you. They're not liberty thieving tyrants, as they say in the article. They have your life and the public interest in mind and lawful powers to enforce their, their orders. Masks are a key countermeasure during this pandemic to slow the infection rate. We talked earlier about the basic information and how COVID can be spread. And masks are maybe the best way in order to prevent the spread. As we also mentioned earlier, people can be affected without showing symptoms or be asymptomatic. So no matter how people feel, they should be wearing masks no matter what. Looking back at California, Governor Gavin Newsom has done almost everything to convince California residents to wear masks, except ordering arrests for noncompliance. In the article, they say that this has emboldened some citizens and even local officials to scoff at masks. In the article, they say that this has emboldened some citizens and even local officials to scoff at masks question the state's authority, and all but dare state officials to enforce their directive. But the state public health officials aren't bluffing. To abate a public health menace, California can order its citizens to wear masks and enforce that order with criminal penalties. The state has the power to make you get vaccines involuntarily and quarantine at your home. So it is also able to enforce this lesser directive of wearing a mask, which is a minor inconvenience that officials consider necessary, not only just for your self-preservation, but to protect your fellow Californians. The coronavirus global pandemic is the kind of extraordinary circumstance when the public good outweighs individual inconvenience. The federal and California constitutions permit the state to order its citizens to wear masks when it is necessary to protect the public from a viral outbreak. While the state has a lot of power to take almost any action they see fit, a more moderate approach is likely more effective in order not to provoke a counterproductive backlash. If you ask too much of people, they might push back and make things worse than they already are. The way that they explain this in their article is if you're asking the question, are you going to make me? The correct answer is I can, but don't make me. While the governor has the law on his side to take action, he's just simply begging California citizens to use common sense and neighborly charity. At the end of the article, the authors make this plea. Temporarily bearing the minor burden of wearing a mask in public protects you and everyone you encounter against unintentionally spreading the virus. That includes your family, especially older relatives who face far higher mortality risks from a virus that has already claimed over 120,000 lives in the United States alone. The least we can do is wear a mask to keep our families and others from a potentially one-way trip to a grim hospital room. So this isn't about whether the government can order you to wear a mask or arrest you for ignoring them. It's about saving yourself, your family, and your fellow Californians. So the interesting thing about this to me is just that mask wearing 
uh, or not wearing a mask has sort of become uh, politicized. Um, for me, like when I see somebody who who believes that, you know, them having to wear a mask is the government impeding on their rights. Um, personally, I don't really understand that. Um, I've seen plenty of protests against it. Even in my hometown on Hilton Head, um, there is a kind of a bigger event where uh, a lot of people went to the town hall and uh, complained about the mask wearing mandate and none of them were wearing masks. But um, yeah, I just don't understand that perspective because you're putting other people's lives in danger. Um, and it, it'd be a different story, I think, if you were only putting your life in danger. But um, by you not wearing a mask, you can get this, um, this disease and you can spread it very, very quickly, especially with some of the cases taking you know up to two weeks before you actually see symptoms. Um, it can spread so much then. So I don't know, do any of you guys think that you know, the government shouldn't be able to force you to wear a mask? No, I think, um, I think it's definitely important to wear a mask. I think this article does a good job of really looking at the different points that the two sides are making and uh, really honing in on what is important in protecting public health and the safety of everybody in the community. I think that's really important in these times with just the increased transmission of the virus and how deadly it can be to the certain individuals. Yeah, Evan, I liked your point that you made earlier about um, it's not just affecting you as an individual when you choose not to wear a mask. It's affecting everyone around you and everyone that you're in contact with because there are some, there's a populations of people that are more susceptible to COVID and dying from COVID than others, such as people that are older or have diabetes or pre-existing respiratory disease, be forcing people to wear masks during these times because it's not just up to you as an individual. You're not the only one that's being affected by it. Helps more than just yourself. I agree that maybe the biggest problem uh, when looking at this argument is ignorance. People don't really realize how much simply wearing a mask does. They just see it as an inconvenience to themselves and they don't see the actual effects that wearing a mask has. You can't necessarily visually see yourself not spreading a disease. So people are just seeing it as an inconvenience in the moment rather than thinking that. Yeah. Um, and I think that some of, some of the issue is maybe people don't understand uh, what the masks are for. Um, I think that if you wearing a mask was, was protecting yourself um, and it was just doing that, then I could see the argument being made where, you know, if someone doesn't want to wear a mask, that's, that's going to hurt them, but that's their choice. But I think the issue is, you know, you could have COVID and you may not know it. So you wearing a mask is keeping um, like that spread down because then you're not spreading that to other people um, if you've got COVID and you don't know it. I think it'd be definitely a different argument if it was one-sided like that. But, you know, as this works, you know, wearing a mask. If everyone wears masks and just accepts that this little inconvenience is saving lives, I think that's really good. And I think the government should have overall public health in mind and enforce that to the best of their ability, even though it may inconvenience individuals to some extent, public health outweighs the individual inconvenience, especially when it's something as minor as wearing a mask. To go off that point, Tommy, that you said about it being ignorant per se, it really doesn't help when the president says that the science behind COVID is fake and it's not real. That leaves his followers in place with they also believe that now too, where COVID isn't a big deal. 
and you don't need to wear a mask because COVID's not that big of a deal or not going to really impact anybody. And I think that's really where it comes back to Evan's point and why this became so politicized. I think President Trump did have a big uh, impact on the politicization of this matter. And I think without his input, this would be a lot um, more about the safety of individuals and a lot less about individuals um, not wanting to wear masks to protect the public health. So how do you guys feel about um, the quote from the article where they said, if you're going to ask the question, are you going to make me? The answer is I can, but don't make me. I think it's smart that the governor is trying to use um, pleas of common sense and neighborly charity and good fortune between neighbors, um, trying to protect each other, uh, your family, that, those kind of things. Do you think that the approach should be more aggressive since they are able to, if they want to, where they could be making the criminal punishment for not wearing a mask more aggressive? Do you think it's a good idea to use pleas of common sense and neighborly charity so you don't necessarily have to be enforcing it with criminal punishments? Or do you think they should, since it's a global pandemic that is killing people, do you think they should be ramping up severity of the punishment for not following these rules that they've been putting in place? I think it was a really good point made by that article, um, especially uh, looking at like you know, what the governor thinks will be able to happen. He probably sees that all of his uh, prosecutors in his districts probably won't make the decision to prosecute uh, those lower crimes, uh, well, those lower offenses. As we'll talk about a little later, uh, something called prosecutorial discretion is probably brought up in this politics prosecution podcast quite a bit, and uh, we'll be discussing a bit more about you know how those certain prosecutors are able to make the decision to prosecute or not. But uh, just in for this specific topic, I think uh, that's a really smart uh, claim by the article to realize that the government doesn't want to have to prosecute, but if that's what it takes, they will have to. I also feel like it depends, you know, on where you are in the country, because some states are better about wearing their masks than other states. So I feel like in California, that tactic could work about being, you know, kinder and more relaxed about enforcing wearing masks. But I feel like in other states where they're not taking it seriously at all, I feel like you do need a harsher approach and to be more aggressive and stricter. Yeah. And in your point about how, you know, certain states, uh, you know, treat this differently and prosecute people differently gets actually wonderfully into our next point. Um, we've done some research about the differences in states um, and how mask wearing is is perceived. All right, so now we're, we're gonna get into some of these state differences. Um, you know, some of the things that I found in our research uh, were correlations between perceptions of mask wearing, uh, some of the ways that prosecutors uh, treat mask wearing mandates and uh, also the political and uh, social perspectives of these states. So uh, to start off this section, I just want to talk about the current rates of COVID. This is as of November 4th uh, that we've got these numbers. Um, and this is the number of cases per uh, 100,000 people. So each one of these will be based on uh, percentages of um, people that currently have COVID. So currently the top 10 worst COVID rates uh, in states are North Dakota, currently at the worst, uh, South Dakota, Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, Iowa, Tennessee, Florida, Arkansas, and Wisconsin. Uh, the worst one currently being North Dakota, uh, which out of every uh, 
100,000 people, 6,192 people uh, have COVID. So obviously, you know, 6% uh, is kind of a crazy number to have. And uh, so that's going to be one of the states that we're really going to look into and uh, see how they've been treating some of these mask wearing mandates. So currently the best states uh, are Ohio, Colorado, Pennsylvania, Washington, West Virginia, Hawaii, Oregon, New Hampshire, Maine, and Vermont. Vermont currently uh, has a COVID rate of 0.3%. So their rate is incredibly low. Uh, they've been doing a very, very good job of slowing down the spread. Um, so that's going to be one of the states that we focus on and uh, take a look at how they're perceiving the uh, mask wearing mandates. So the next thing that I wanted to uh, talk about is now we know which states have been doing really well with the spread of COVID and which states have not been doing well. So I want to take a look at the mandates and laws that have been put in place uh, in some of these states and compare them and, and see if we're going to be able to figure out uh, if there's any correlation between COVID spread and mask wearing perceptions and how prosecutors have been treating this. So for starters, a majority of the states um, have laws put in place in order to uh, slow down COVID spread. And these laws put in place have to do with masks um, and having to wear them. Uh, right off the bat, Vermont, uh, which is currently a state that has been doing the best with the, stopping the spread of COVID, um, their requirement is the uh, strictest of the states. Uh, a lot of states have implemented this now uh, where you have to wear a mask everywhere in public. Um, this is obviously uh, very different from some of these other states. Uh, the one that I want to bring up first is South Dakota. South Dakota currently uh, is the only state that does not have any laws put in place that require you to wear a mask. Uh, and South Dakota is also currently the second worst state as far as COVID spread goes. So I think that that's an interesting thing um, to talk about. I don't know why the leaders of that state have not put things into place um, in order to get people to wear masks. Um, so that's that's something that I want to just straight up talk about first. Um, what do you guys think about this? Like, why is South Dakota not put anything into place? I think one of the main contributing factors is that, I mean, they don't have that large of a population uh, and they don't really have too many people coming from around the world to visit South Dakota. So they probably don't see that it's a necessary concern to have their citizens wear masks. I'll go off that, Chad. I feel like another key contribution to why South Dakota is not handling COVID well is, again, politics, like we mentioned earlier in our podcast. Um, South Dakota is a typically Republican state. And like we said earlier, Trump does not view COVID as being that big of a deal. So South Dakota reflects that. I'd agree that um, it definitely has to do with the government, where their state government and the people in the positions of power, such as the governor or just any of the other state officials, um, they'd be have, they would have to be the ones to put into place any kind of mandates. Um, so just because there isn't a state requirement, there are probably many citizens of South Dakota and other places that maybe if they aren't required to wear them in certain areas, there are some people who still may be doing it. Uh, we are just talking specifically about if the state has um, taken legal action, I guess would be the best way to say it. 
Yeah, well, the interesting thing is um, South Dakota's governor, her name is Christy Nellen, and she's gotten a lot of criticism uh, against this. She is a uh, Republican, which is one of the things that we're going to note when we're talking about this. Um, typically, Republicans uh, see mask wearing as a um, invasion of rights and personal liberties. Uh, this is not a blanket statement for all Republicans, um, just, you know, for a lot of the research that we found, this is the grouping um, that tends to be more against wearing a mask. The interesting thing with Noam is she has taken on the perspective of saying that these mask wearing mandates would not be preventing uh, COVID spread from occurring. Um, that is one of the arguments that she's had when she's been criticized for not implementing more laws uh, that have to do with wearing masks and social distancing. But then the other thing that she talked about was that a lot of the things that they do, a lot of these factories where she would be, you know, implementing laws are critical infrastructure jobs. And she does not want to uh, make any laws that are going to be uh, affecting the critical infrastructure of South Dakota. So definitely an interesting uh, thing to think about as we continue talking about these states. All right, the last couple of states that I want to talk about are North Dakota, Florida, and Tennessee. Um, these are some of the other states that we mentioned are doing much worse with preventing the spread of COVID. Um, and they also have very, very um, unstructured uh, laws and not very strict laws about mask wearing and social distancing. They are a couple of the few states that only have laws put in place in certain parts of their state. Um, so that's interesting that they haven't, you know, set things up. So now that I've talked about the states that have been doing poorly with COVID, uh, I've talked about the laws that have been put in place, um, obviously, and this should not come to a surprise to anybody, um, there is a very strong correlation between uh, the mask wearing laws that have been put in place by the states and the chances of their citizens forgetting uh, COVID. So now I wanna to start to get into uh, the politics of this. And we're going to do that by talking about the different political perspectives of these states. So first off, those 10 worst states that I began talking about are North Dakota, South Dakota, Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, Iowa, Tennessee, Florida, Arkansas and Wisconsin. Now, there are certainly a couple of swing states in here, um, but for the most part, these are all red states. These are all conservative states, which like I talked about earlier, that's typically the um, demographic that really feels strongly about not wearing masks because they believe that it is an infringement um, of their personal liberties. Now, also, um, the states that have been doing very well with COVID, there is a strong correlation with those being blue states. Again, that is Ohio, Colorado, Pennsylvania, Washington, West Virginia, Hawaii, Oregon, New Hampshire, Maine, and Vermont. Um, again, those are all blue states, uh, not all of them. There are a couple of swing states in there, uh, but it is interesting to see that there is such a strong correlation between this. And just to reiterate um, some of the connections that we found, uh, so there was a real connection between, you know, the laws that were put into place and the actual case numbers in each state. So it seemed that the states with the strictest laws uh, ended up with the you know least number of cases, which makes sense, you know, 
just based off how people were interacting in their towns. Yeah, so actually using facts and logic, we can um, make that correlation. Uh, it definitely does make sense that the stricter the laws are, uh, the more uh, prevented people are from getting COVID. Um, but one of the interesting things that I uh, am seeing right now, actually, in looking at this is that Vermont currently, like we talked about, is the best state as far as preventing COVID spread. Um, and Alabama is one of the worst states for preventing this spread. Um, they are in the fifth worst state as far as case rate goes. Um, so one of the interesting things that I'm seeing here is that uh, they actually have the same laws put in place uh, as far as mask wearing, social distancing, um, and regular COVID mandates. Those two states have the exact same uh, laws, but I, I wonder if the difference in their numbers actually comes from uh, the way that they're enforcing these laws, because they could have the same laws, but if one of them perceives these things to not be as important and prosecutors are saying, you know, we're not going to be actually letting these cases go through if, you know, someone wants to charge you with breaking one of these mandates, then obviously uh, if the enforcement isn't taking this very seriously, the people will not as well. So that's another point where prosecutorial discretion really comes into play uh, and is critical. Yeah, so that's a great point that you make, Evan. Uh, I also wonder if you know how good they've been doing also depends on uh, their political leaning, like we've mentioned, because uh, like you, like we know, uh, Alabama is you know typically Republican and Vermont is typically Democratic. So it might just be based off of the people in those states and how they choose to view their law or you know, view the um, measures that have been implemented in their states. Uh, so you know, once again, it might just be to the individual as how they perceive that law. Yeah, so I guess it, it would definitely be kind of two-parter. Um, one would be the enforcement of the laws uh, that would create a strong perception of, you know, if these laws are important or not, um, you know, for like speeding, right? Uh, we have checks put in place so that people are reminded not to speed. If you're going too far over, then uh, too far over the speed limit, then you're going to get a ticket. Um, but it's it's up to the police to actually enforce that, um, and that's one of the the points that we're trying to make here is that if these laws aren't being enforced, then people aren't going to care about it. Um, I do think that the perception, the political perception of this, since it is. Uh, somehow become a political topic, wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. Um, definitely law uh, enforcement agencies have a lot of say, but also political leaders have a lot of say um, as far as how the people perceive these things to be. You know, for example, uh, if President Donald Trump is walking around saying that this mask law uh, shouldn't be put in place, then a lot of the people who support President Donald Trump will also tend to agree with that. And they'll, um, as we've seen, protest it. Uh, it has been made into a very political topic. And so uh, I think that that's one of the areas uh, where leaders have a lot of say, and they should be using that power uh, just as well as prosecutors should be using their um, power in order to make the best decisions for the people and not just keeping their reelection in mind. Yeah, and uh, so to move on from that, but on a similar page. Yeah, so that's an interesting connection we, you've made uh, between you know those states that 
are Republican or Democratic and, you know, if, whether they want to wear masks or not. And then looking at that uh, more specifically, in this most recent election, Wisconsin went blue, uh, which is interesting because their numbers were not so great with uh, COVID-19. So even though we, we kind of grouped them in that bad group with the uh, Republicans, in this one, they went with the Democrats. Uh, so that maybe that's a result of people in that state realizing that you know, they didn't take the best measures to prevent the spread. And maybe they didn't like how uh, their state handled COVID-19. And maybe what part of that was because of uh, President Trump, you know, looked at all this uh, about COVID and, and whether these states will prosecute mask wearing. Uh, so this progressive prosecutor is something that we've been looking at in this class where these newer prosecutors are making the decisions to prosecute certain things. Uh, this typically relates to drug cases or other uh, lower level offenses. Uh, so it's their option um, and their discretion to prosecute uh, marijuana or low level offenses in their communities. This uh, prosecutorial discretion is mainly dependent on how the community feels about these specific issues. So that is extremely important in uh, how the community feels about mask wearing. So uh, we'll start talking about certain certain cases where mask wearing is being prosecuted or not. So one example is Barron County's district attorney office. They recently sent a press release where they stated they would not be prosecuting any referrals for violations to mandate to wear face coverings. The governor's executive order in Wisconsin declaring a public health emergency and requiring face covering statewide was declared on July 30th, 2020. This district attorney said he did not want to deprive citizens of property via the forfeiture prosecution if there is no clear authority for such a prosecution. He also declared that he didn't believe such an authority existed. This doesn't mean that you shouldn't wear a mask. You are required to wear one in a business and in indoor buildings in Wisconsin. If you refuse to wear one, you could be asked to leave. Refusal to leave would mean that you would get prosecuted for trespassing instead of for not wearing a mask. Barron County, as well as most of Wisconsin, sways the Republican side when voting, but this most recent election had them going Democratic. Another example, uh, other than Wisconsin, is in Michigan. Uh, so the Michigan Attorney General, uh, Dana Nessel, who leans Democratic, will no longer enforce the COVID-19 executive order requiring masks, adhering to social distancing, and staying home when sick. This comes after the Michigan Supreme Court rules that the governor, Gretchen Whitmer, also leaning Democratic, overstepped with her executive order and the measures taking place in it. So the national law firm Foley and Lardner summarized the opinion of the Michigan court uh, that Governor Whitmer did not have authority to issue or renew any executive orders related to the COVID-19 pandemic uh, under the Emergency Management Act of 1976, or the EMA. After April 30th, 2020, the date through which the legislator extended Governor Whitmer's state of emergency and state of disaster declarations. Uh, they also said that the Governor Whitmer did not possess authority to exercise emergency powers under the Emergency Powers of the Governor Act of 1945, or the EPGA, because of the EPGA unlawfully delegates legislative power to the executive branch in violation of the Michigan Constitution. Uh, so basically, the article says, that Governor Whitmer did not have the power within her executive uh, authority to do what she did with her um, stay-at-home order back in April. Uh, the Attorney's General Office released a statement saying that these measures would still be followed just on a voluntary basis. 
So this comes after the gun-wielding protests that took place in Yansling in early May. Uh, that's kind of interesting because it seems like the Attorney General might be trying to side with the public and uh, the public's concern of wearing masks. Because um, if they don't want to, uh, they might not support her in an upcoming election. So like I was saying, uh, the Attorney General knows that the public wouldn't support the prosecuting of people who violate the COVID orders. So she will choose not to prosecute them anymore. Um, she might be looking at uh, how that might affect her next election, or she might just be looking at, you know, how the community feels. So like I said, they both are Democrats, both the governor and the attorney general, but they, they see it differently uh, about how it should be prosecuted. And since the attorney general does have the prosecutorial discretion on her side, uh, she can make the choice uh, to not um, charge certain cases, especially after the Supreme Court ruled that uh, it was a bit of an overstep by the governor. So there's some interesting differences between uh, two members of the Democratic Party. And then uh, we'll move on to a bit of a discussion about those two examples and other uh, examples that we saw in different states. Uh, what do we think about how certain states and their political leaning affected um, how the prosecutors will charge these cases? I think in general, um, progressive prosecutors tend to be the more liberal-sided um, prosecutors where they don't want to necessarily um, prosecute, I guess, smaller crimes that they might not see as crimes or things in law that they're seeing as in the next few years might change and they're just trying to get ahead of it. This goes into a really interesting point that the government can make all these laws and mandate all of these things. But if the prosecutors don't actually want to enforce any of that, then it really doesn't matter what the states decide to do as far as mandating wearing a mask if the prosecutors aren't even going to enforce it and take action. Yeah, and I can see that being a, um, a concern in these states that are having trouble with COVID-19. Um, if you know individuals of the state see that they don't have to, uh, if they see that they won't be punished, or prosecuted for not wearing a mask, why, why would they feel as if they have to wear a mask? Wisconsin is also one of the top 10 worst in COVID rates. So it's interesting to see that one of the states where it's not being enforced by the prosecutors is one of the worst in the COVID rates. If you weren't wearing a mask and they asked you to leave and you didn't want to leave, uh, then that's when you would be charged with a crime. Um, but my issue with that is that the wearing of a mask is designed to keep you and others safe. So the ignoring that um, and saying, you know, only if someone asks you to leave, do you have to leave, seems to be problematic because you risk so much um, just by trying to be a little bit. One of the interesting things that I thought about uh, was just that they maybe wouldn't be prosecuting the mask wearing mandate but if you weren't wearing a mask, they would prosecute you um, or they could prosecute you for trespassing. So I think that it's interesting that they're using their prosecutorial discretion um, to sort of charge people for the mask mandate only if they're being sort of hostile. Because um, in that example, he spoke about um, how more political in your decisions um, for populations that are against mask wearing. Yeah, I agree with that, Evan. I think it's, you know, 
it's to the point where these individuals who aren't wearing masks uh, just seem like they don't care about the public health of their communities. For that example, you know, these prosecutors are trying to find things that they can actually prosecute people for. Um, you know, these these lower level things like uh, mask wearing, you know, they, they realize that they won't really be able to charge people for those offenses. But if they find, uh, you know, maybe assault or, you know, something that these individuals do, especially trespassing, uh, just like the smaller things that they actually might be able to prosecute these people for uh, will be better to um, combat uh, what these individuals are doing. So one of the interesting things that I saw was the differences in the cities and counties in Wisconsin um, as far as what they're doing with the mask mandates. Um, a couple examples would be like Glendale has now put in uh, ordinance saying that everybody older than four is required to wear a mask in indoor uh, public spaces. Um, Green Bay, same thing. Residents five years and older are required to wear face coverings inside buildings. Um, they also have uh, issued things towards businesses where if businesses don't ask customers without face coverings to leave, uh, they could be facing a citation and also potentially lose their business licenses with the city. Um, one of the things that I also saw in a couple of places is that houses of worship um, were made exempt from this law, which I found interesting. Um, but for the most part, uh, they have fines that go anywhere from $10 up to $500. In Milwaukee, uh, especially, I think that they had the strictest laws um, for making sure that you're wearing mask coverings. Um, as their health commissioner, Jeanette Kowalik, said, uh, it's very black and white these uh, laws are put in place in order to protect individuals. So um, that is, that's definitely um, something that's interesting to me. I find some of these rules interesting because some of the counties focus their efforts more on businesses um, and making sure that they're acting responsible and uh, holding their customers accountable, um, where other counties are just putting the mandates in place focused on citizens. Um, one of the one of the counties said uh, not to call 911 to report people um, because some people have medical exemptions. But for the most part, I, th I thought it was pretty interesting that different counties focused on um, different areas uh, as far as like the mask wearing mandates go. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh... Just with, um, you know, like you said, with the businesses and how they're going to hold their clients responsible to wear these masks in these places. Uh, I think that it's probably the most important way to do it, because um, like we've been looking at throughout this podcast, uh, it's definitely a challenge to prosecute um, people just based off of, you know, not wearing a mask, because um, there are different factors that go into everything. Um, and like a lot of things said. It's just something that a lot of places will not be able to prosecute just based off of the nature of the orders and the implementations. One of the interesting things that uh, we have to consider when we are talking about this, though, um, is obviously these places, these counties, states, you know, uh, the U.S., places all around the world can put these laws into place. But... How realistic is it that these people actually end up getting 
uh, charged, that this conviction actually goes all the way through. Um, I found an article uh, from Florida that talks about local lawyers not thinking that charges against uh, people breaking mask wearing mandates would actually go very far. Um, he said, it's up to the district attorney's office or in the state level uh, that the attorney decides if they'd like to prosecute those crimes. That's not up to the governor. It's not up to the legislature. It's up to the local law enforcement, um, which I thought was really interesting. This was from criminal defense lawyer, James Kirk Piconia. Um, and I just think that it's really interesting the way that he says that because, you know, he says it's not even up to the governor or the legislature. It's up to the people who are enforcing these laws, which is sort of what we've been talking about with prosecutorial discretion uh, during this class and in a lot of these podcasts, because, you know, we can have all of these laws put in place. And we've talked about how the average person, you know, commits several felonies a day. It's just that they're not being prosecuted. Um, and if the laws aren't going to be enforced, um, then there is no point of the laws. So I think that that's something that's really interesting. Yeah. And, um, you know, looking at that article, uh, it also says that, you know, the governor does have the right to, you know, make these statewide mandates. Um, but, in the end, it's not um, it's not up to them to enforce those laws uh, and those mandates. Uh, like he does not have the authority to create criminal penalties or enforce the penalties, uh, and it's up to those local law officials uh, to enforce the orders. Uh, so it's up to the you know the prosecutors um, and the district attorneys to see what uh, what will be prosecuted in their in their districts and in their towns. Uh, they don't see how it's going to help them. So, you know, it, it's too much of a bother for them to wear a mask or to, you know, uh, abide by the social distancing orders. So it's easy for them just to, you know, go on with their lives as it was uh, without worrying about uh, coronavirus and, you know, all the negative implications of that. Progressive prosecutors, where they have the option to say, hey, I'm not going to be charging for these crimes. I won't be charging for these crimes. Um, and a lot of the times that's done uh, because they are going for reelection and they want to target certain things um, as being problematic and some things as they think not being problematic. Uh, and this is just another example of that, uh, where prosecutors are simply deciding that, hey, you know, if the state wants to make mask wearing mandates. Um, but I think that reelection would happen uh, by me not enforcing those, then they're just going to go ahead and make blanket statements and not enforce uh, some of those rules. So I think that that's something that's very interesting. Uh, it personally makes me pretty sad that that's happening, especially with a pandemic, um, something that can spread so quickly and has affected uh, the world so much that these prosecutors still can go out and say, I'm not going to be prosecuting you for this. Um, so I think that that's just a very interesting example of prosecutorial discretion. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, I can also see that, I mean, it, it really isn't up to the prosecutors to, um, to, you know, make sure these people are wearing masks. Um, you know, I mean, I guess they, you know, with the, with the fear of, you know, uh, prosecution and, you know, enforcement, uh, maybe it'll cause more people to wear masks, but I mean, a lot of these individuals, are, are just not wearing masks. Cause... One of the interesting examples of this is uh, Florida, which we have talked about as being one of the worst states uh, as far as COVID cases go. Um, 
the governor, Ron DeSantis, actually told reporters uh, a couple weeks ago that the state wasn't going to be prosecuting people for not wearing masks. Um, I think that that's really interesting. In Florida right now, um, the use of ventilators has increased by 64% in the last two weeks, and the intensive care units are 22% uh, above their maximum capacity. Um, I'm sorry, 122% above their maximum capacity. So that's incredibly interesting that even with all of those problems, um, that they are still taking that stance of really not wanting to prosecute things. Um, and it does just come up to come down to uh, the way that they perceive um, their actions with the public. Um, and if they're if they think that by enforcing mask wearing mandates is going to affect them uh, as re-election is happening, um, then they're not going to be enforcing those rules. Um, this is sort of like we talked about with the... Well, that brings us to the end of our podcast. Friendly reminder, NPSA, to all of our beloved listeners, wear your masks and stay safe. As we discussed throughout this podcast, the benefits of wearing a mask heavily outweigh the minor inconvenience of being required to wear one. The government is able to prosecute individuals if they deem it necessary. So while being prosecuted may be unlikely and it's left up to prosecutorial, prosecutorial discretion, we urge you to do so for the safety of yourself, your friends, your family, and your community as a whole. If you like this podcast and you want to hear more or get more involved with this politics of prosecution, you can go to Instagram and follow Polly N. Pross, P-O-L-I dot N dot P-R-O-S, or go to Twitter and follow us at Polly Pross, P-O-L-I underscore P-R-O-S. Thank you.